Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Support for MPB comes from University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out why one report says Mississippi is earning a D in education. Well, overall, Mississippi gets an F for school spending, spends about $10,000 per student when costs are adjusted for uh, regional differences, and it places 39th in the nation on that measure. What is the average paid per student? The average is $12,000 per student. Then the lieutenant governor and others weigh in on the legislative session so far. And after StoryCorps, find out what a coastal environmental organization is saying about some of the president-elect's top picks. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In spite of gains in the graduation rate and declines in the dropout rate, Mississippi still earns a grade of D in education. That's according to an annual report from the K-12 news organization Education Week. The 2017 Quality Counts Report card ranks Mississippi next to last ahead of only Nevada. Ed Weeks Sterling Lloyd talks about this year's report card. Mississippi receives an overall grade of D and posts a score of 65.8 out of 100 on the Quality Counts 2017 report card. It ranks 50th in this year's report, the same as a year ago. Is the grade any better or worse than last year? It's virtually unchanged, virtually the same as a year ago. But if we take a more nuanced approach, we see that it has made gains on certain specific indicators and seen declines on others since last year. Before we get to those, how many indicators are there altogether that are used to comprise this report? Well, the report card grade states in three areas, chance for success, K-12 achievement and school finance, and in all that's nearly 40 indicators. Let's get to the good ones first. Where are we showing some improvement? So in the chance for success category, Mississippi has seen an increase in its high school graduation rate. Its graduation rate increased from 68% for the class of 2012 to 75% for the class of 2015. So that's a big improvement of seven percentage points, and its ranking for the graduation rate improved from 50th in the nation to 47th. What else? Uh, we also see that Mississippi improved on the steady employment indicator, which me- measures the percent of adults ages 25 to 64 in the labor force working full-time and year-round. And here its ranking jump- jumped from 24th to 17th nationally. Explain the relationship between that and education in high school. 
sure. We look at uh, steady employment because it uh, is an indicator of whether students who graduate from high school or college in the state will be able to move into an economy that provides them jobs where they can use the skills that they've learned in school. Are there any other positives to tell us about? Yes. Uh, one bright spot is that Mississippi ranks fourth in the nation in kindergarten enrollment. Eighty-one percent of eligible children in the state are enrolled. So it's near the top in the rankings for this indicator. So those are a few bright spots, and yet we still rank 50th in the state or in the country. Why is that? What are some of the some of the not-so-good elements of this report now? Well, Mississippi ranks near the bottom in chance for success, K-12 achievement, and school finance. Uh, in K-12 achievement, it's last in the nation. It really struggles in the areas of reading and math as measured by standardized tests. For example, Mississippi ranks 50th in the nation in the percent of fourth graders proficient in reading and 47th in the percent of eighth graders proficient in math. So those are areas that will be of significant concern to policymakers and educators in the state. Is it too soon to know, you know, we, we have implemented the what we call the third grade gate, where third graders have to read at a certain level before they can advance into fourth grade. Does this report reflect any of the results of that? It's hard to know. We based our rankings on test scores from 2015, but it also takes some time for any policy to really have an impact. There's usually a lag between the time a policy is put in place and when we really see any effects. What else are the challenges? Well, overall, Mississippi gets an F for school spending. It spends about $10,000 per student when costs are adjusted for uh, regional differences, and it places 39th in the nation on that measure. What is the average paid per student? The average is $12,000 per student. Education leaders in Mississippi say dropout is down, as you said. Graduation is up. Other educational outcomes are improving. If they continue to improve, the three major categories that you mentioned, will that move us out of 50th place, or really do we have to look at the negatives and say this is where we need to do this work? I would say the biggest area that needs improvement would be academic achievement as measured by standardized tests. So that's really performance on reading and math tests. Those are areas of significant concern for the state and really would be the areas to focus on when it comes to improvement. Do you see other states that have similar problems as Mississippi? And and if so, are they generally in the South? We do see some geographic patterns where states in the South tend to struggle on many of these metrics. And so we do see that other uh, neighboring states uh, fare poorly on the report card. Do you know why? Well, a lot of it has to do with poverty. Poverty has a significant effect on student achievement and raises real challenges for educators uh, when they're trying to uh, educate students who are under economic stress and don't have as many resources outside of school. Overall, what should our listeners glean from this report? When we look at Mississippi, there are some areas of improvement. For instance, we mentioned the high school graduation rate. And so it's not an entirely negative picture. There are some bright spots. But in general, there's a real need for improvement on uh, reading and math test scores. Are the changes dependent on action by the legislature, or are there things that specific school districts can do to improve those things? It's really both. It's a combination of state uh, action and local action. Certainly, school districts are dealing with the day-to-day education of students. They need to focus on teaching and learning in the classroom, and they can really work to boost test scores by improving the the teaching and instruction uh, right there in their local areas. 
But at the same time, when we talk about something like school finance, that's really often decided at the state level and would be determined by the legislature. Is there a place people can access this report? Edweek.org. We have it on our website, and uh, we hope that readers will check it out. Sterling Lloyd is the Assistant Director of Education Week Research Center, and we're talking about the Quality Counts 2017 report. Sterling, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves says the state is making strides in education, while others say Mississippi could do more to provide quality education. We'll hear from both sides next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. On the next Fit to Eat, I'm going to show you how to make butterbean soup with ham and some other butterbean recipes. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner will show us how to make a healthier corn dog. We travel to the Wise Family Farm in Pontotoc, Mississippi to see their butterbean harvest, and we have a very special guest, state senator from District 49, Sean Tyndale, to be here and help me put it all together. So join us. Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on MPB TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A nearly 11% uptick in Mississippi's graduation rate and significant gains in fourth grade reading and math prove the state is headed in the right direction. That's according to Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. He talked about the issue at the Stennis Capitol Press Forum in Jackson. Reeves, a Republican, believes reforms like the third grade reading gate are working. Reeves is awaiting a report from Ed Build, a firm reviewing Mississippi's adequate education program. That's a funding formula that's been in place since 1997. When you look at the fact that when I got elected lieutenant governor, the national average for graduation rates was 82%. The state average in Mississippi for graduation rates when I got elected was 70.5%. Today, a little over five years later, the national average for graduation rates was approximately 82%. has not moved in the last five years. In Mississippi, our graduation rates have improved, increasing from 70.5% to 80.8%, a little over a 10.3% uptick in graduation rates at the high school level. Now it is important for us to continue to raise the bar, to continue to challenge our young people, and continue to focus on raising the educational attainment level of our citizens. If we're going to see long-term economic growth and prosperity in Mississippi, we must continue to raise the level of, educa- the level of education in our state. Reeves says there are multiple reasons behind the gains Mississippi has seen in recent years. First, we're seeing positive results because of the Literacy Promotion Act is working. More and more students in Mississippi are moving from the third grade to the fourth grade with the ability to read. We've made the investment in literacy. We've spent nearly $50 million in the last three years on hiring reading teachers to help not only those students in the classroom but also to help teachers who are teaching reading. We're also seeing pre-kindergarten collaboratives working. Communities that want early childhood education are using the collaboratives to prepare young children 
for a solid education. Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. Senator David Blunt, a Democrat from Jackson, says the main problem with public education in Mississippi is funding. He says the existing funding formula is good. It just needs to be funded. He's also frustrated with the forthcoming Ed Build report being late. Well, it's been a struggle to fund education in Mississippi, and uh, I think we've had a good funding formula in place for a long time. It's kept, kept us out of the courts, uh, and we ought to fund it. Uh, it's a good formula. Now, anybody uh, who has good ideas, I'm always happy to listen to good ideas. But if we're going to start messing with the formula, uh, we need to involve parents, teachers, uh, principals, uh, and not just sit around and wait for a, some out-of-state group to send us a report that's already late. You know, we need a full, open public and transparent process uh, and listen to good ideas that may be out there. Uh, But I think that formula is going to receive a lot of scrutiny this session. Now, the lieutenant governor says that uh, the state is spending $400 more than it's spent um, in the past. Your reaction to that, it is more funds. Well, of course, when the state, uh, just like every other state in the country, went through the Great Recession uh, in 2008, 2009, we had to make cuts, and we made cuts everywhere. Uh, And everybody understands that. That was necessary at that time to balance the budget. Uh, And now we're we're still only... We've been digging out of that for now now for about eight years. We've been digging out of the Great Recession and the cuts that had to be made. Uh, We're still not back to the full funding that the formula requires. Uh, So, I mean, I think we've seen some increases, and that's a good thing. But we need a formula that we can rely on uh, and that is equitable to all school districts. Uh, And we've got that, and we really just ought to fund it. Democratic Senator David Blunt speaking with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Find out what a coastal environmental organization is saying about some of the president-elect's top picks. That's coming up after uh, StoryCorps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fit to Eat, I'm going to show you how to make butter bean soup with ham and some other butter bean recipes. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner will show us how to make a healthier corn dog. We travel to the Wise Family Farm in Pontotoc, Mississippi to see their butter bean harvest, and we have a very special guest, state senator from District 49, Sean Tyndale, to be here and help me put it all together. So join us. Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on MPB TV. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Ralph Sebrel and Josh Henry first met through scouting. Josh was a Boy Scout, and Ralph, who most people know as Tommy, was his mentor. During their visit to StoryCorps in Mississippi, they talked about Tommy's role in youth enrichment and about a scout camp called the Mountain Man Program. The Mountain Man Program is where they go up to a a site away from camp, and they learn to to kind of live on the land, uh, primitive weapon, uh, you know, axe or hatchet type thing uh, throw in some some camps have flintlock that they can demonstrate for them and they, they it's more of a primitive type camping program i'm curious to know if you can share some stories of your interaction with young people i know you've had a great manhunt for one kid and you've also had some other really interesting characters working with teenagers you you learn a lot about youth and and how they think and how they work one that that uh, comes to mind, we were on a, just a regular weekend camping trip. 
and a new scout in the uh, troop who was newly outfitted with new boots, new everything. A couple of the other uh, boys decided it would be really neat, you know, to uh, take his boots and, A, put hot coals in them and then hide them from him. The grilling began once it was determined who may be the the culprit in this situation. And uh, that process drew out for quite a little while before uh, confessions were drawn out from these these two. The lesson I think they learned is, you know, this too could happen to you if you're not careful. One that really had a young kid come into the troop, and he was good and solid until the sun went down. And it, when, when the sun went down, the tears started rolling. He wanted to go home, tried to put him with some of the older scouts, uh, give him a little more comfort zone in there. His daddy became involved with the troop and, of course, wanted him to stay with him so he would stay in scouts and said, no, that's not going to happen. You know, if you, if you do that, you know, he'll never get over the, the nighttime away from home. That boy eventually got where he would just throw down a tarp in his sleeping bag, no tent, and camping out. Got himself elected the lodge chief of the Order of the Era uh, Lodge. You know, became probably one of the more proficient campers in the troop at, at that time. And uh, I think had his dad become more involved in camping with him, letting him sleep in the tent with him, none of that would have ever occurred. And I think that's what camping and scouting is about, you know, to develop self-sufficiency in, in uh, young men. I think often when you talk about your mentors, it's easy for people talk about to talk about their wisdom and their patience, their capacity to coach or discipline, and all of those things are, are important. But oftentimes people can be dismissive of a kind of, well, almost um, some people might call it an immaturity or a juvenile um, behavior of people that, that really boils down to a kind of youthful, childlike appetite for what's next, a sense of adventure and playfulness that communicates to young people, you and I aren't so different. When you're young, you think that one day you'll grow up and you'll be an adult and you'll have figured everything out and that all sense of play and imagination and adventure will stop and you'll have figured out what it is you're going to do every day. As I've gotten older, I've found out that's not how it works at all. And I think part of our relationship and part of what helped engender trust and helped me recognize that you are someone that was on my team was that spirit of youth that you carried with you and your capacity to play with us, to engage us at our own level. So some of these stories you tell, I know you tell them now, but, but they really do make me want to laugh because you always had a particular way of working with kids. And it was sometimes very stern, but always in a sort of playful and supportive way. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. In 2008, the new president-elect told a crowd in Chicago that there would be setbacks ahead. But America, I have never been more hopeful that I am tonight, that we will get there. 
Eight years later, the president returns to Chicago for his farewell speech. I'm Audie Cornish. Join us for live special coverage tonight on NPR News and watch a live fact check at NPR.org. Tonight at 8 on MPB Think Radio. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Hi, I'm Sharita Brent. On In Legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPV Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Some Mississippi Gulf Coast residents are voicing their concerns about a number of President-elect Donald Trump's picks for his cabinet. About 40 Coast residents attended a rally last night to protest some of the nominees and their stance on climate change. The protesters gathered in front of the federal courthouse in Gulfport, where Senator Thad Cochran's coastal office is located. They are specifically focusing on the Republican U.S. Senator's office, since it is the Senate that must confirm the president-elect's nominees. Jennifer Crossland is with the Steps Coalition, which organized the gathering. She spoke with our Evelyn. Burnett. We're here today to um, to, uh, to take a stand against climate denial. Uh, we are one of many groups across the nation that are taking a stand today. So thousands of protesters are, um, you know, wanting taking their fight to the streets, the fight to protect the climate and our future. What are some of the specific things you're concerned about? We we're we're specifically concerned about President Trump elects. Um, climate nominees with the EPA, um, his nominee for the Department of Interior, his uh, his uh, nominee for the Department of Energy, and Secretary of State. All of these men have um, supported um, or and you know, have supported the fossil fuel industry, profited from ExxonMobil, ex-CEO, and um, we fear that they will continue um, to put profits over people and um, use their power to deny what is the truth and, um, you know, pretty much sacrifice our communities and the future of this planet. Um, and so what are you encouraging people to do in addition to um, you have, I think, uh, over 40 protesters out here with signs and um, chanting. But um, what else are you telling people? Yeah. So um, we are telling people to call their rep- their, their uh, the Senator Wicker and Senator Cochran. Um, the confirmation process has begun and um, the se- it's up to the Senate to um, reject or confirm Trump's nominees. So we're hoping that people making a call and taking a stand collectively, our voices will make a difference. Climate change isn't the only factor bringing people to the demonstration. Peter McCarthy is from Long Beach. He says there are a number of Donald Trump's cabinet picks that give him pause. I don't think that Trump's choices for the uh, cabinet are are in the people's interest. I don't see this this fellow uh, Sessions from Alabama as being uh, up to the job, and, and uh, he's my primary reason that I came out. But uh, it, it, as a matter of fact, almost all of the cabinet members that have been chosen don't seem to reflect uh, a very uh, uh, insightful uh, uh, treatment of the position. There are people that have been adamantly uh, opposed to many of these uh, uh, agencies that now they're going to be heading. 
it seems like creating an adversarial type of uh, uh, relationship from the beginning that poses no uh, uh, chance to succeed. And so uh, I think uh, it's in, in incumbent upon people to come out and, and uh, try to uh, make reasonable uh, statements that, that these people will, will listen to and maybe uh, uh, change their opinions about uh, the qualifications of some of these gentlemen that they've uh, chosen and get people in there that I, I feel would do a much better job. There's much better people out there. Peter McCarthy of Long Beach. Before that, we heard from Jennifer Crossland of the Steps Coalition. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, in legal terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's Marketplace Tech for January 10th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York.